here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to continue in our series on Abide. Um, this is week 13. Y'all have been hanging in there. We've really been taking our time just unpacking who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates, how we can develop a relationship with him. Um, and now as we're, we're starting to come to a close in this series, we're talking about how he empowers us, how he works through us, because he wants us to participate with him. He wants to touch our lives, and he wants us to be a part of touching the lives of other people so they can experience the love and the goodness of God. And so um, we've got three Sundays left in this series. And so these last three Sundays will be focused on the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the, the following two Sundays, so the 9th and the 16th, we're going to unpack them one by one, similar to the way that we did the, the fruit of the Spirit we're going to take our time. We're going to look at, at how the Bible defines these different gifts, how we can kind of identify, maybe see God's presence in our life operating in those gifts. Um, we'll look at some examples in Scripture of how we see this in the life of Jesus and in other followers of him. And so we'll really take our time and unpack them individually. And, and my hope is by the time we're done, we're going to have a really good idea, a really good handle on the gifts the Holy Spirit wants to, to give us to impact our lives, our church, our community. This morning, I kind, of, I kind of want to step back and look at some big picture things. How, how are we called to approach the gifts of the Spirit? And so there's a couple things I want to say up front, and then we're going to spend the, the majority of the morning looking at a healthy approach to walking in the gifts of the Spirit. All right, that's where we're heading this morning. My prayer um, for all of us is that if this is something that we know, that we would be reminded and encouraged to step into what God has for us and to, to do that in a, in a healthy, loving way that's about blessing people and serving people, that that's the mentality, to love people well. Um, if this is new territory, my hope is that we would learn something, we'd be encouraged um, I, I would hope you would feel the freedom to do this with any message, but I just know there are certain things we'll talk about at times in church that can be topics that are a little more challenging to understand. Um, I realize as a body, we have a lot of people here with different backgrounds, um, and so my door is open, um, literally and figuratively. My door is open. Come, come meet with me. Let's have coffee. So if there's something in here you want to talk about, you want to understand better, you want to tell me you think I'm wrong, um, great. <laughs> we can have that conversation. Um, so, so please know that. Um, so here's some opening thoughts that I just want to get out there right from the start, okay? I believe with all of my heart that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I believe that. We see the gifts operating through the life of Jesus. He, he impacted people massively this way. Um, the gifts, by the way, aren't all um, what we would typically label as like miraculous or mysterious. Not all of them. Some of them are very practical, but they're a gift from God that we could serve people, we could be hospitable, that we could be organized and administrative. That is definitely a gift. Um, I've had to try to make myself that way. It does not come naturally. I I'm grateful for other people in my life who are administrative and can fill in those gaps. So, so the gifts aren't all mysterious. And then some of them are. God, 
God heals people. He does miraculous things. Um, but I believe the gifts are for, are for today. There's some reasons I believe that. We see it in the life of Jesus. We see it in the life of the disciples so much so that Jesus said, don't even start trying to minister to other people until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Camp out, hang out. And in fact, as we're gonna see this morning a little bit, unity was a massive part of this. The scripture says they were together in one accord in the upper room. They were loving and serving one another. Their arms were linked together. They were united and it was in that environment that the power of God showed up and then God could move miraculously on people's lives. So we see it um, in the disciples' lives. We see it in the early church, the people they impacted, and it echoed forward. I mean, so much of the New Testament was written to educate and correct churches that were several steps removed from the original disciples. So people had heard, who had heard from someone a generation or two removed. And then we see the gifts historically and we see them currently. And so I believe that with all my heart. There, there are folks who will argue or make the case that some or all of the gifts are not for today. Um, my sermon today is not gonna be about that or trying to make that case. Part of it is because how do you disprove a negative? I see it in scripture. I've experienced it personally in my life. And so I think the person that doesn't think these are real has to, has to really do some work to try to get there. I find it interesting. I made this joke kind of in passing a few weeks ago, but I find it an interesting that the people who would argue that the gifts are not for today never argue that the fruit of the Spirit's not for today. I find that interesting, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit was this really good gift that the Father wanted to give us. Why would he then withhold certain aspects of who he is or what he does? And so I believe with all of my heart that the gifts are for today. One of God's primary characteristics is that he's unchanging. It's one of his primary characteristics. I believe his spirit produces fruit. Listen, if we're being honest, you know what's a miracle? Being a person who has peace and joy reigning in your life on a day-to-day -day basis despite whatever circumstances are going on. That's a miracle of God. I have experienced large chunks of my life not having those things, and when I've had them, it's been evident to me that God had done something miraculous that I could not muster on my own. It's a miracle. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit produces fruit and gives gifts. Now, how we use the gifts is of utmost importance. And I think it's why some people find it easier to believe they don't exist because of abuses, because of weird people acting weird, being weird, not being focused on loving people, not having a full understanding of the word of God and how we're supposed to live. And so it, it gets misrepresented. And listen, anytime something is misrepresented or misused, it's just easier to overcorrect and go the other direction. But I don't want to do that either. And so it's important for us to understand how we use the gifts. Um, I, I believe this. People will not be able to receive your gift if they, if they aren't seeing the fruit in your life. If your fruit is sour, it will be hard for people to receive a gift from you. 
A, a person who's not living a life of joy and peace and love, who then wants to show up and bring some word into your life, brother, it's gonna be hard to receive from them. We should be people that the fruit is being produced in us and then God's gifts can flow through us to touch people's lives. Um, now, one of the reasons why I believe this combination of the fruit and the gifts are meant to work together is how central love is to the gifts. And I mean that literally. One of the primary passages in Scripture, and I want you guys to write these down actually really quick because um, we're going to be in these passages. And I would encourage you over the next few weeks, read them yourself. Ask God to talk to you about what he's saying in these passages. One of the primary passages is 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Those three chapters. Now, I don't know if you already know this or not, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the chapter of love. It is the chapter that defines what love looks like. And it was placed right in the middle of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 that talks so much about the gifts and what they are and how we use them and how they should be used appropriately and how they're meant to build up unity in the body. Love is central to the gifts. If my desire is just to have some cool, unique power, I'm like Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts. I just want to be something important or special. But if I'm motivated by love for people and I see people who I care about who are in need and I believe God can touch their life and I want to see them blessed and helped, when I'm motivated by love, God looks at that kind of person and says, that's a person I can entrust with my gifts. Because they're not about self-promotion. They're not about, about finding some sense of identity in this. They're about caring for other people. And so I can entrust them with a gift to speak a word of encouragement to a broken heart, to pray for someone to be healed. That's hurting. That's the kind of person God can entrust with the gifts. So we're meant to use these in conjunction uh, with God's love and, and with the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts are meant to be motivated. We're meant to be motivated by love for others. Then the gifts are activated by faith. Not faith in my ability to be gifted, my faith in the one who gives gifts. I, we could do a whole sermon on that. We, we have so misrepresented faith at times in our Christian circles to be something I have to muster up. God says it takes that much. It's the object of your faith. Is my faith in my ability to walk in the gifts or is my faith in the giver? My faith is in God. He's a good God who loves people and he wants to touch people's lives. And so I'm motivated by love and then my faith is in him to do what is needed in the moment, to encourage someone, to help someone. And the gifts, ultimately, they flow out of an abiding life. When all these other things we've been talking about, when I, when I know who the Holy Spirit is, that he's a helper, he's a teacher, he's a comforter, he's a connector. When I understand that I can cultivate a relationship with him and I know him, I recognize his voice, then, then man, when I am motivated by love, I can trust God in the moment to touch somebody's life. Does that make sense? This flows out of a body. So there's just some thoughts for you. So four things 
I want to talk about this morning. Four things that, that lead to a healthy approach to walking in the gifts. Now, primarily we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. So I mentioned there were some key passages in the scripture on the gifts. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, those three chapters. Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Those are, those are three areas where you can really dig in and read up on this. Now, we're going we're gonna to camp out this morning in Romans 12 but you will see these four things in the passages in, in the letter to the Corinthians and the letter to the Ephesians. You will see these in all of them. For time's sake, we're focused on Romans. Um, I believe if we will approach the gifts this way, we can walk in health as a church body in the gifts. All right? You guys ready? You with me? Okay, let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, the first approach um, to walking in a healthy way in our gifts is to kneel down. It's to kneel down. This passage says three things. Sacrifice, worship, and then renewal. Sacrifice, worship, and renewal. It's about humility. I approach this as a worshiper kneeling before God, honoring him for who he is, giving him my life as a surrendered life. God, however you want to use me. For some of us, that might mean giving up certain things we're wanting to pursue, right? He says, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. For others of us, it might be stepping into new things we haven't stepped into. He wants to change the way we think. He wants to renew our lives and so we start with humility. It's, it's understanding and accepting our own limitation. If I live my life for myself, that is a limited way of living. But when I accept that I'm limited, when I accept that I'm in need, when I accept that he's God and I'm not, and I start by kneeling down by having humility, man, it produces something incredible. Someone who sacrifices their life in worship of God will find themselves renewed. We'll find ourselves renewed. So then how does this play out with the gifts? Well, the passage continues, verse three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He immediately goes into recognizing our lack, recognizing our position. Don't think of myself more highly than I ought. How do I get to the place of not thinking of myself more highly than I ought? Worship. When, when I humble myself before God and worship him and adore him and I, I humble my life and surrender to him, that will start to give us proper perspective. Humility isn't about looking down on ourselves. It's just having proper perspective. I, I'm a limited person. What I do have, the gifts, talents, and abilities I have, they're gifts from God. 
Paul calls the gifts in this passage gifts of grace. It's the grace of God that he's given me a gift. And so I walk in humility. When I'm humble before God, I'm able to be humble before other people as well. And so the first thing that we do to have a healthy approach to the gifts is to kneel down. Now, with each of these four, I want to highlight some benefits, some cool byproducts that come from operating this way. So if I'm going to have a humble approach to the gifts of God flowing through my life, the benefit of that is it will combat pride. It will combat pressure. See, sometimes I can actually feel pressure, like I have to do this thing. And, and what if I'm counting on God to show up and do this miraculous thing that I just prayed for and it doesn't happen? I'm, I'm wearing the pressure like it relies on me. It doesn't. It's on him to act and to will and to do what he wants to do. And so that sense of humility, it doesn't just deal with my pride that can get in the way. It can deal with with unhealthy pressure, feeling like I've got to do it. And ultimately, it combats looking for identity in your position or in power. I'm telling you, I've wrestled with this in my life. I, I need to know that my identity is not wrapped up in being Pastor Jake. That's not wrapped up in that title. It's not wrapped up in that position. I'm Jake Spencer. I am a son of the king, and I'm loved by him, and I'm thankful that he takes me with all my faults and failures. I'm a husband who loves my wife sacrificially and blows it a lot. (laughs) I'm a dad who does my best to lead my kids and love my kids and serve my family, and I mess that up a lot. I'm a friend who wants to be faithful, and yet at times I let my friends down. I'm a guy. My identity, if I'm looking for my identity in some title or position, that'll that'll fail us. That'll fail us. See, if we're not careful, we've we've got these certain things that are ingrained in us. Ladies, I'm not saying this isn't you, but I'm a guy, so let me talk to the guys for a minute. It's just ingrained in us to identify ourselves, for example, with what we do for a living. That, that's where I got my education. That's where my skill level is. That's where I've spent a lot of my time and focus and energy. And so I'm identified by my job. And there's an aspect, yeah, obviously that's a big part of my life. But, but I'm more than that. And I'm not, I'm not just wrapped up in that. I'm a son of the king, and he, he's calling me to be a prince in his kingdom and to serve and lead well. And that goes way beyond any job or title I'll ever be given. But see, what we can do as believers in our, in our spiritual circles is we can take broken thinking that we had kind of in our fallen way of thinking, trying to find our identity in titles or positions or power, and we can just bring that into our Christian circles. And it's just that same mentality but now I'm elder this, prophet that, whatever, looking for a label. God wants to set us free from that. And so this kind of humble approach to the gifts, humble and worshipful before God and serving other people, that mentality deals with pride and pressure and a trap of finding my identity in some position or power. Y'all tracking with me this morning? All right, so we kneel down. That's, that's number one. Number two, we don't just kneel down, we then link up. 
we link up. Romans chapter 12 now, verses four and five. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need each other. You, You know what would be terrible? What would be terrible is if this church became a bunch of Jake Spencers. That would be awful. (laughs) Sometimes it's just great having your parents in the room. Um, That'd be awful. We don't need a church full of Jake Spencers. We need every single person who's here to be themselves, who, who you're uniquely called and made to be, and we need each other. And so we link up. We are many members of one body. Now, that even goes beyond this church body. That means in our town of Knoxville, we need other believers in this community who can link arms and say, we need each other. I wonder the healing, the freedom, the life that would come to the city of Knoxville if the different churches of Knoxville linked arms together and said, man, we're one and we need each other. And we could even celebrate some of the unique ways that we're different. I'm not talking about churches that are not really churches that are full-blown in in heretical, non-biblical teaching. But, But what I am saying is there are a lot of churches who the style's a little bit different, the emphasis is a little bit different, but we love and follow Jesus Christ and we worship him. And so this shouldn't just be about a specific group of people recognizing that we're members. We should see ourselves this way in the greater body of Christ. We need each other, and so let's link arms. We're different, but we're connected. We need each other, and we directly affect each other. The members of the body directly impact each other. My teeth are not gonna get cleaned if my hand doesn't cooperate. All right, that's a silly analogy, but like map this stuff over. There's a reason God's giving us the example of a physical body. He says, here's something you can consider. Think about how your body works. Thankfully, we don't have to, in our brain, go, okay, index finger, thumb, reach down, pick up the toothbrush. Okay, left hand, like I I don't have to do this clunky thing. It just kind of works together. But if we were to stop and consider all the ways that our body just cooperated with itself to move around in the world to take care of itself, I think we'd be pretty blown away at the intricacies of that. We need each other. God defines us that way, so we need to link up. That means, and remember, I know he hasn't listed them yet, Paul is, Paul is coming to the gifts. I'm not the one connecting this to the gifts. He's saying This is how you do this. You worship God. There's humility. Don't consider yourself higher than others. And then recognize you're a part of a whole. And so link arms. The gifts should be about strengthening and uniting the body. Not tearing down or promoting a person or this thing is more important than this person. Unity, body, and yet diversity is celebrated. He's not saying we should all be thumbs. 
We need all the parts of the body. All right, so if you want a little homework in this section, because I know y'all are always just thinking, man, I'd love to have homework. If you were to skip down to the end of the passage, because in a minute he's getting to the gifts, and then verses 9 through 21, he lays out specifics of how we do this. He lays out specifics of how we strengthen one another and we walk in unity. Here's how you link up. I'm going to give you some examples. Verses 9 and 10, genuine love and brotherly affection. Verse 10 again, show honor. Verse 11, be patient. You're going to notice some of these tie in a lot with the fruit of the Spirit we've been talking about. Verse 13 is about giving. Giving practically, like financially, to the needs and being hospitable. So there's both a practical component of giving and a personal component. I'm inviting you into my home, into my life. I'm making space for you. Be present with people by rejoicing when people rejoice and weeping when people weep. Verse 15. We've already talked about humility, but specifically verse 16 talks about humbling yourself and associating with the lowly. In fact, those two go together for a reason in that passage. You know one way to humble yourself? Hang out with people that are giving you no inherent benefit. They're not the easy person to hang out with. They're not the person that just flows naturally for you. They're the person that it might stretch you, it might require something of you. This is what Jesus did with his time. He was a friend to the outsiders, to the sinners, to the poor. He spent time with the lowly. If you want to become humble, that's a great way to do it. You humble yourself and spend time with the lowly. When was the last time we invited someone into our home that wasn't just one of our good friends? Just think about that. Consider spending time with the lowly. And then finally, verse 18, live peaceably. There's a lot of things that are out of our control. We can't control other people and their responses to us but we're told that as far as it depends on us to be at peace with other people. And so Paul invites us into this. Here are ways that we can link up. If we see each other as united, then we can walk this out. We can be patient, we can be humble, we can be at peace, we can give to one another, we can honor each other, and we have genuine love in our relationships. Link up. All right, so what does linking up do? The benefit of linking up, it combats division. It combats intentional division for sure, but it also combats unintentional division. We just, we step on each other's toes. We get in each other's way. We hurt one another. But when we view ourselves as united and we have genuine love, then we can operate in patience and we can work towards being at peace with one another. And so it combats division by recognizing we're united and linking arms. All right, that's number two. Number three, we kneel down, we link up, and we step up. We step up. This is about participating. This is about serving. This is about taking responsibility. If you're a member of the body and we need each other, that means you're needed. That means I'm needed. We, we play an important part, so we step up. Look, just as practically as he can say it, Romans 12, 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. <laughs> That's as 
practical as it can be. We have different gifts based on the grace of God that he's given us. Let's use them. Let's use them. God has gifted you. You you are important. I want to say this. Forget big picture theological for a minute, okay? As your friend and the pastor of this church, this body needs you. We need you. We need each other. Step up. Take responsibility for the gifts God has given you and love people well in the body you're planted in. And I would hope whether, whether you're here for a long time or this is the only Sunday you're here or somewhere in between, that wherever he plants you in the body of Christ, that you will step up and participate. And serve with the gift he's given you. You matter. You're important. You're needed. You're needed. I'm going to read these because they're in the passage. I don't want to skip them. Again, we're going to go in depth next week. But he, he gives some examples here. Use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. To the one who teaches, his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, Be generous. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever area God has equipped you, called you, gifted you, step into it. Our gifts are all different, so please use yours. You might be the only one bringing that piece to the table. And we're hungry. We gotta eat. Use your gift. Step into it. And I love this. He doesn't just list some gifts. The emphasis is learning how to use them well, right? He says, have faith, have generosity, have joy, be passionate. Those are some of the descriptive words about how to use our gifts. And so let's learn how to use them well. How does stepping up benefit us? This helps us to combat feeling worthless. It also combats complacency and apathy. If we feel complacent or apathetic about church, one of the reasons might be that we've positioned ourselves as just a receiver, right? Just an attender, as opposed to someone who's participating in something, participating with a group of people. And so if you ever find yourself feeling complacent or apathetic, man, that's because you're needed. You're needed, all right? And, and you matter, right? Feeling worthless. You are not worthless. So many people get ripped off because we start comparing ourselves with other people, other people's gifts, other people's abilities, and it just crushes us. And we feel like, I can't measure up to that. I can't live up to that. Or maybe we're so focused on a couple gifts somebody else has that we don't feel like we have, we're missing what we do have, what we do bring to the table. We've minimized it. It's not minimal. It's important. It matters. You have inherent value. You have unique value. And we all benefit when we're willing to step up and participate. Does this make sense? All right, that's number three. Last one, number four. If we're going to kneel down, we're going to link up, we're going to step up. Number four, lift up. Lift up. Now, it would have been easy to kind of roll this into the link-up category because this is still about unity, but there's something very specific here. If I'm going to humble myself, I'm also called to lift others up. It's about honoring people. 
about honoring people. Esteem others. Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Did you know that we're called to be competitive? I get excited about that for a second. I'm super competitive. The problem is the thing I'm supposed to get competitive about is about promoting other people, not myself. That's it. Let's, let's outdo one another in showing honor. Let's so be about honoring other people, we just kind of aren't worried about ourselves anymore. There's something powerful about that. I'm not talking about some weird minimizing, beating yourself up. I'm just talking about there's a freedom that comes from loving other people, honoring other people, preferring other people. Man, it sets you free from this trap of trying to feel good about yourself or arrange your own life. We were made to be a part of something. We will find ourselves, here's the cool thing, we will find ourselves honored and valued when we're in a, we're in a culture, we're in an environment where we're honoring and valuing other people. See, I can work to try to do that for myself or if I'm doing it for everybody else, look at all the people honoring me back. That's way more than the man in the mirror can produce. Way more. We're, we're benefiting from one another by honoring each other. I want to wrap up by going over to 1 Corinthians because it just Paul unpacks this in a really great way and he continues to use this analogy of the body. And so let's, let's look at this kind of in closing here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, just, I'm going to read through this and it, I really think it speaks for itself. I'll highlight a couple of words that jump out. Um, but look at how he talks about honoring each other. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I mean, there's, there's not a person in this room that isn't worthy of honor and respect. They're indispensable. And on the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. I would like to unpack this, and it was challenging all week thinking about how to explain this. I, th I think the best way I can explain this is my son Micah, still to this day, 13-year-old that he is, um, just thinks anything related to the butt is hilarious. The noises that it makes, I mean, just, he's obsessed with it. If he gets a hold of the remote and there's like a Netflix show and some kind of joke happens in that region, he's pausing, rewinding, slow-mowing, and just gut laughing. Like if I'm in the other room and Mike is in the living room and he's laughing hard, I know what's happening in there. It's just a matter of which movie is it, all right? Right, the parts of the body that seem dishonorable, we actually honor them. <laughs> we do because we cover them. We treat them with respect. All right, I'm, I realize I'm on thin ice here, like it's a weird topic, but this is what Paul's talking about. He actually says the things that we kind of in the moment think of as dishonorable, we actually treat them with a lot of honor. We cover them, we protect them. And so mapping this over, it's like, 
the very people, the very things that we can minimize, they're actually deserving of some of the most honor. The least among us, how we view and treat the least among us says the most about us. Jesus said, as you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And he lists the kind of people that would be ignored and discarded. But as Paul's saying here and as Jesus taught, that's exactly who we should honor and who we should esteem. And so they're given greater honor. Verse 24. I've picked up in the middle of a sentence. That's a weird spot. (laughs) Anyways, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, man, this is the whole deal right here. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That means if I'm celebrating my friend Brennan, we're celebrating the whole body. When he does well, we do well. Does that make sense? When one member is doing well, that is cause for joy and celebration. When one member is hurting, that is cause for weeping and mourning with them. Sometimes the way we can most honor people is by getting in the middle of their mess with them and just saying, I'm here. That's honoring. View the parts of the body as indispensable, with great honor, with great care. That's what's defined here in 1 Corinthians 12. All right, so what's the benefit of this? What's the benefit of this particular um, one? Number four, lifting others up. It combats isolation and that just kind of lone ranger, I can do it on my own mentality. It combats that. Instead, it gives you a purpose and a place and it lifts others up. When you realize you're connected to the body and we're meant to, uh, to honor other members of the body, it gives you a purpose and a place and it lifts others up. We are not supposed to go this road alone. This is the environment where the gifts can operate in health. Kneeling down in humility, linking up in unity, stepping up and taking responsibility, and ultimately, I lost my place. (laughs) And lifting up, and lifting up to honor. That's the kind of environment where the gifts of the Spirit can operate and touch people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we worship you, God, we just acknowledge you're, this may sound funny, but God, I just want to say you're really smart. I I can't figure this out. I I can't figure out on my own how to live at health and in peace with other people. But God, you've got it figured out. You teach us the way of love and you give us gifts that help us walk in love. And so God, would you help us by the power of your spirit to be the kind of people who can live like this. God, who can walk in some humility. God, who can, who can lift other people up, who can link arms together, who can step up and find our place in your body in order to love and serve one another. God, we have a church in need. We have a community in need. God, we individually are in need. And God, I thank you that you provide for our needs 
by the power of your spirit and presence, and you choose to use people. And so you provide for our needs through each other. Help us to live that way. In Jesus' name we pray this morning.